Welcome to the Warding Business Drives Podcast, where our podcasts are late, but our bids are on time. I'm your host, Kevin, with JMW Fabrication. Today, we've got episode number two with Andrew Stoneman from Haskell Collection. He's got a really unique perspective from somebody who doesn't weld and fabricate full-time, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy what he's got to say. I'm going to put a link to their Instagram and their website in the show notes, so go ahead and check them out. And without further ado, here's episode number two. Man, I mean, we went <clears throat> we went a year, a year and a half with really slim pickings because they're really, uh, nobody knew who we were. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I show up in a whatever, um, a polo shirt or a dress shirt and, you know, pair of slacks or something. They, don't, they look at me like, you know, who are you? You're not going to be out here, you know, fabricating on my job site. You're some sales guy, which is their right. But, uh, <laughs> but what I would end up bringing to bear are, are really, really good guys. And, um, yeah. and that's a whole nother story was there were a lot of good workers out, a lot of good fabricators that were out of work between 07 and, and, you know, 2010. So, so I was lucky to be able to reach out and get guys at the time. Now it's much harder, but, um, we got people from the construction industry. We got people from the exhibit industry, from trade show building. Um, we got folks from every um walk of life and um and then and then we got some good drafts people so we you know we have a couple of people in the um the design uh, department that that um um help us help us help our customers in other ways than building things yeah that's awesome um i always say that i would rather take a good carpenter who can't weld and put them on the floor and teach them how to weld then take a good welder and try to teach them how to fabricate. Cause that's so much hard. Like, you know, you and I are, are, are like our businesses are kind of in the same boat stairs and rails and you know, everything's unique and custom. So I 90% of what we do is fabrication. 10% of what we do. If that maybe like 5% on some jobs is just the welding work. So right. find, like, how do like, what do you do to find and retain so yes in 2000 2008 2009 there were some good guys now it's harder what are you doing to compete against everybody else in your area to get those like that top talent so i'll tell you um the same way we get customers we we basically we share with them this is what we do and this is who we're fortunate enough to be working with and here's a here's a stable of work. And then we, we try and, you know, entice them with our capabilities, but, um, but yeah, it doesn't mean that the, the job market is full of good. There are good folks. And right now, if you're, if you're a good fabricator or a good, um, tradesperson, you're working and you're busy. Mm -hmm. So I think one, one of the things we do to try, and we're looking currently too, how do we sweeten the deal by, I, I ask people to trust me and, and take a ride with me too, because we're still very much in growth mode. And there's a lot of things I want to be able to provide for my people to give them an opportunity to say, Hey, this is my career, but we're not there yet. So mm-hmm. I ask them to trust us, but I think um, we actively reach out on all the job platforms. We actively network on the job sites. We, I look at some of the structural guys that maybe want to change a pace. I look at, um, some of uh, 
the motorsports industry shop guys that maybe want to change and diversify what they're doing. And, but it's a unique mix because the ideal person that, that comes to work for us can read a set of blueprints, can um, find themselves being sent uh, on a job site to get takeoffs um, and measure site conditions and come back and interface with um, a drafts person or a designer and be able to convey and verbalize um, what they saw and what the information is so we can develop models. And then they also need to be able to look at something. We, I can't tell you how many times we get set, sent architectural prints or prints from an engineering entity. And we look at it and we go, this doesn't work. Or we look at it and we say, <laughs> um, this is not the best way, or this is going to be um, budgetarily prohibitive, or this is going to be whatever it may be. There's a million things and that's where value engineering comes in. But I mean, I also I have to preface that with we're not engineers and we're not architects, but we are builders and we do, and we are fabricators. And I can look at something and say, this is radically over-engineered and you're spending a lot of money that you shouldn't. And I can look at something and say, so, so our people need to be able to um, wear a lot of hats that come with um, some nuanced personality traits. And um, we have, we have kind of a high standard, um, but that's not to say, I mean, there's, there's guys that have come to work for us that are, that are still there, that are been with me for seven years now. And um, they started, you know, cutting and grinding and now, you know, and their English wasn't great. And, and now they're, I put them up against the best of them. So it, you know, what do we do to get good people? We, we, we lean on our referrals. We lean on the guys that work with us. And then we lean on um, other trades out there to try and get the word out. And mm. um, we try and leverage um, our whole brand and say, you know, this is us and this is what we do and this is how we do it. And we have a ton of fun and um, it's a family and come to work for us because um, we're busy and no two days are ever the same. You're not putting together widgets part A to part B and um, we're, we've got a tiger by the tail. So come, come yeah. along for the ride and, and be part of, be part of what we're all about. So that's exciting. Um mm-hmm. And then I go back in the office and I scream, you know, freaking every word in the book saying, how the <laughs> F am I going to pay for this guy? You know, how am I going to afford this new salary? How am I going to, you know, yeah. but <laughs> it's just a cliff that we jump off. And I, I've jumped off a lot of cliffs in the last seven or eight years. A lot of them, like, yeah. how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to do this? How are we going to get there? Well, we have to do better or we have to do more or we have to yeah. do whatever. So I think there's a lot to be said for um, uh, folks like you and I that take chances and you just, if you back yourself into a corner, you tend to come out swinging and you do pretty well. Yeah. There's like, like starting a business is it's all about taking chances mm. <clears throat> and then you just need to figure it out on the way. So yes. With like, you know, you're building the parachute as you're falling, you know hundred percent. I mean? So yeah. w- since you've been doing this for a while, what what is something that you think that you could share that you would have told yourself 15 years ago? Like something that you won't find in a business book. 
share some advice for somebody out there who's who's either thinking about doing it or ha- is doing it and you're like man i am 5 10 15 years ahead of you this is where i messed up don't make my mistake mm, mm. but well you make a lot of mistakes that's the first thing you know that's <laughs> <laughs> as you know just um, out, out earn and out learn your mistakes <laughs> yeah that's that's a good that's that's a good way to look at it um yeah try and make your mistakes fast and get through them quickly. Um, I think, I think that's really solid advice. I think, I think number, uh, number one is, um, the, the best laid plans can, 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 uh, get off into the weeds pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, identifying, you know, what your, your mindset is before you go is important. I, I told myself that, uh, I really believed in what we were doing. And, and while my business kind of grew organically um, and I, I didn't necessarily plan to be what we are now, um, that was kind of the beauty of it. That was the fun of it. But I will say, um, just know that um, you're going to go down a path that you can open a door and walk into it, but you may not see where you're going. And there's going to be a lot of times where things are going to be coming at you and you don't know. Um, and, and this is all metaphorically speaking, but I will say, try and be nimble. Um, try and be able to transition and pivot. Um, and know that if you've got, I think it's really important to focus on the ball. You know, what is your, what is your objective and what do you want to do and, and believe in yourself? I mean, these are all cliche things, but you know, it's hard. It's freaking hard. And, <laughs> and, and then, uh, and then it's not as hard. And then you might even have an easy day or two. Um, I think, but I, I, I will say the things that they say about, um, <clears throat> fortitude and not giving up and, um, and, and working hard is really what it takes. You know that, I mean, mm-hmm. Um, and there is no crystal ball. That would be cool if there was a crystal ball. <laughs> I, I, I ask for Santa Claus every year to bring me one, but he never does. But, uh, I mean, <clears throat> so, so, uh, well, so with that, what do you think is the secret to your success and why you, you guys have grown to what you are right now? Okay. So I'll tell you, and this is going to, you know, I should probably charge for this, but it's so ridiculously simple because we've been, it's been beaten to our heads since we were little kids for most of us anyway. Um, honest to God. And I, 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 I make no apologies for, for saying this. Um, uh, tell the truth, work hard, do the right thing. I mean, in the, in the welding industry, in the trades industry, in construction, and at in in our world, there are a plethora of people that don't do that. In in any world, in in the business world, there are a lot of folks that don't abide by those simple rules. And I have found um, dumb stuff like doing what you say you're going to do, call somebody back if you yeah. tell them you're going to, respond <laughs> to an email. Um, I would. I, I get grief from a lot of my people because I would pull over and respond to an email that can wait another half an hour. No, I'm going to do it right now. So things like communication, 
if you're a good communicator, oh my God, you're already 10 feet above the next guy. Because mm-hmm. that's not a common thing. And 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 the the uncommon things are amazingly easy to do. Call people back, write them back, do exactly what you say you're gonna do, tell them exactly what's going on and don't stretch the truth. And then um if you screw something up or you misunderstand somebody and it goes off the tracks or you got a job that goes horribly wrong for whatever, do whatever needs to be done to fix it. Don't complain, get it done. So that's the do the right thing, right? That's do what makes sense. Do the right thing. Don't screw anybody. Don't talk about anybody behind there, but just do what you were always taught to do. And those things, I, I swear to God, when the smoke clears at the end of the day, you are miles ahead of your competition. And, and they're really easy things to do. And, and I know that I'm sounding oversimplistic, but I swear to God, um, shaking hands, looking somebody in the eye. Yeah. It's the, ba- straight, it's the baby uh, it's, steps. It's the small things where you get to learn, like you get to exercise those principles every single day. And it's, it, it gets, you know, it's, it's so much easier to not even have to think about telling the truth or not even have to think about, oh, I need to reply back to this email when it's just an automatic thing for you, you know? Yeah. And that doesn't make me or, any, or the next guy, anybody better than anybody else, but they're very simple things. And, you know, I mean, you get on a job site and you hear the superintendent, you hear the general, you hear the folks that are there. You know, though the freaking painters didn't show up today. The electrician wasn't here. They said they'd have that footing poured yesterday and I can't even get them on the phone, that type of stuff. Yep. So you you can separate yourself really easily by just follow up, mm-hmm. follow up, follow through excellent communication. That's the number one thing. And then, <clears throat> you know, and that's not uh, that's not a replacement for doing a good job and knowing what you're doing. You have to, but uh, those things are really easy that anybody can do. So that's that's my best business advice, and that's the reason for, I would say that's the reason for success more than half the time. And I'll tell you what else: it's also the reason we've gotten a lot of jobs and somebody else hasn't. Yeah, you know, it's it really is. You know, like oh, these guys always follow through. Their price is higher, they, but they always follow through. They always do what they say they're going to do. They always respond quickly. I never have to worry that it's going to be done right. I mean, these are basic things that if you have them in your pocket, um, I'll tell you what, I mean, you're you're going to, I would say it's not a guarantee, but I, I'll tell you, if you're working in any any type of high velocity market where you your trade can make money, and you do those things. Oh my God, you're going to win. Yeah. Absolutely. You're going to win. It's dumb. <laughs> it's dumb, right? It's like, are you kidding me? I used <laughs> to say that, you know, uh, telling the truth and showing up on time was our business advantage when I first started out, because like, it's true. Like in, in our, in, in the area that I was in, there were so many times where people they're like, yeah, I, nobody called me back except you guys, or nobody answered the phone except you. And you know, I, I didn't have the the best communication skills, but I, I, you know, one of my downfalls when I was 
first started out was I was always working. Not downfalls, but I was just always working. I was always emailing people back. I was always texting people back right away, always calling them to communicate really well. And that's in our industry. I in it's funny because now that I have a couple guys under me, I see myself slipping there. Right. I'm like, ah, uh, you know what? I'll call them back later. And then I forget. Mike, you know what? Like I can see why people chose me back in the day over anybody else because like there was no I'll call them back later. It's I'm gonna do it right then and there because I'm going to get busy. I'm going to forget. And really, I, I, you know, I would like to say I'm amazing at that now. No, I'm okay, but I can see where you come from with that. It's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a learned practice and it's really sets you apart from everybody else in the industry. When the bar, the bar is set pretty low, really. (laughs) It It really really is. is. And, uh, and, and it doesn't need to be. And, uh, it just is. That's just the way it goes. I mean, and, you know, me, I, I don't know. I mean, my um, my experience in maybe the corporate world, uh, maybe I had a, a leg up on that just from the standpoint of that was something that was expected of you in a big executive business type of climate, whatever, you know. Um, but it, it, it translates to anything. And, and so, and it's really easy to teach. And I ask it of my people too. Hey, you know what, if, if someone calls you, call them back. Um, if somebody is, um, uh, needing some information, which happens often, don't keep them waiting, you know? And, um, and then the other thing is, uh, (laughs) documenting stuff documenting with email. We try and communicate via email as often as we can. If we have clients that text us all day, call us all day at the end of the day, um, I've got a project manager. His name's Mike. I go, Mike, summarize the correspondence that you had with them today in a very brief email so that it's captured, you know, and, and, um, we have it, you know, it's fresh on your memory before you go home, do that, please. And I do the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. and then we've got a, a record of it. So, yep. Um, because that can come back and save you. That's the cover our butt stuff. But, uh, yeah, you know, I'm sure you had to learn that the hard way a few times. Well, (laughs) yeah. I mean, like you said, you know, and if you have a few folks working with you, that's the kind of stuff that slips sometimes, you know, you don't always do it yourself and, and you do learn, um, the, I said, they said, he said, she said, no, no, no. And things like text tend to get garbled and, and deleted. Uh, but emails, we, we keep them all on our email server. And, you know, so yeah. we can always go back and, and see the email chain and it's pretty hard to deny what was conveyed in an email. So, um, and we, <laughs> I'm dealing with that right now. We're, we're doing, we're doing a mono stringer staircase and they want wood cap, wood top rails. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, five total rails. Uh, they were like, I don't know, a couple of them were like, 179 inches 205 inches something like that and i called the wood place i'm like hey you know this is what i need this is the size this is the species this is the stain and i did that all over uh like verbal he wrote it down you know whatever he added up the the figures he emailed me back he's like hey what were the lengths he's like it's like 61 total linear feet but what were the lengths mike we sent them over the five lengths that we needed all right, cool. Right. Ready? Good to go. We were at Fabtech last week. Had one of my guys go out, pick it up, brought it back. I went there on Saturday 
and I'm looking. I'm like, why do we? Why is there nine? Why is there nine rails here? There should only be five, and they're all about uh, nine feet long. I'm like, oh man, they cut my rails in half. Like it was. It's to it's it, it's in the email. He's like, I know you said there was four or five pieces of rail. What were the lengths of it? And we emailed. I pulled the email up. I'm like, thank God I emailed that over to him. Because, yeah, someone in their department decided to cut all our top rails in half. And, yeah. you know, it's cable yeah. rail. So we can't just, like, splice it in at, at a at a post or anything like that. Because it's going right. it's, it's to buckle under the tension. So I'm like, dude, I'm putting these in a Wednesday. Like, yeah, thank God for email. Because, yeah. you know, just yeah. email everything 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 if it's not in writing it didn't happen exactly exactly yeah and we're sticklers for that and we just have to be that's a cover our butt thing constantly yep. and um you know we've all learned that the napkin sketch thing um it's it's about defining expectations and 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 documenting what what needs to happen and it just becomes more important as you become more accountable right and become yep. more responsible that's one of the things that I think I I literally freak out about sometimes is the degree of accountability and and how much we are kind of in you know cradling the expectations of our builder customers in our hands every day. Like I have tremendous amount of deliverables. We have stuff that these guys, their schedules, their whole experience on the job they have to answer to their owner you know customers they're depending on us and if i mm -hmm. stop and, and get into my head about the critical aspects of that i i'll become totally un freaking productive and i can't function i i can't think about that too much so that's why these things like communication like documenting like follow-up like all this stuff that that helps define products from start to finish and just communication and accountability is, is a, such a huge deal. Yeah. Because yeah. my God, all the, all that stair material that you had cut in half, kidding me. God, <laughs> I mean, and I've seen that I've seen, you know, there's, yeah. there's lots of things that have gone sideways, you know, Yeah. I thought you said it was supposed to be, it was, wait, is that a nine or a seven? You know? Yeah. Oh, no. dude. No. no, it is written down. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah, we live that nightmare together. <laughs> so if since you've been doing this for a while what is something that you would do, change if you had to do it all again oh man you know i don't know sometimes people say they would change things sometimes people say i would i'd do it all again just like it was i think i i think uh you know i i had an I, idealistic um vision for um the start of Haskell and the Haskell collection line and these, you know, signature furnishings. And, and I think, um, and that, and that was a really good time trying to make that go. But I think, I think I saw the writing on the wall a little bit earlier than I actually acted on it. And I think there's a, there's a balance, right. Between what you love to do and what you have to do. And fortunately, I, those things have blended. So I'm doing what I love and, and, and doing what we have to, to keep the lights on and, you know, make payroll and have two nickels together to rub in our pockets. But um, I think, um, I think I would have pivoted earlier 
and and just said, you know, gosh, there's there's an opportunity. I, I think I was a little bit stubborn in trying to make the, the the furnishing line go. But here's the irony of that is now that we are successful and in, in pursuing other things, we're going to diversify. And the irony is we may go back to our roots with some signature pieces because we're looking to um, kind of spread our wings in some other arenas. So mm. like we don't mass produce anything. I mentioned that. Maybe we should be mass producing something. Maybe we should be cutting parts on a plasma table. Maybe we should have a couple of guys doing nothing but building um, steel interior um, French doors all day. Maybe we should market a line of doors. Maybe we should do a line of of furnishings. Maybe we should do you know some millwork. So maybe so. It's kind of funny how, how it's it's coming back, but um, it's just um, and I would probably. Uh, I'd also probably not try and do things that um, I'm not very good at. Mm. That's the best thing I've I've ever done was finally realize I I I can't work in the shop, you know. I can't. I'm not a welder. I'm not. Uh, I, they don't even let me touch the tools when I walk out. <laughs> I um, I just sorry about that. I just uh, um. It probably took me four or five years to realize, you know what, delegate to somebody that knows exactly what they're doing and let them do what they know because they're really good at it and step away. And that's a big deal. Um, and it's hard because it's your baby, right? Mm-hmm. So it's hard. But um, that's a whole thing that has to do with, I think, empowering the people that work for you and letting them lead and letting them do um it their way provided you you have a common vision and but i think i think i actually hindered and prevented people from being at their best by trying to be involved too much okay yeah and i think you you end up spreading yourself thin well that's it for episode number two i hope you guys enjoyed it and got a lot of value out of it you can check out what andrew and his team do over on their website and i'm going to put a link to their website and their instagram right here in the show notes Be sure to check back next week for the third and final episode with Andrew Stoneman. If you want to find out what we're doing here at the podcast, find us on Instagram at Welding Business Owners Podcast. Find me at JMW Fabrication. Until next time, get out there, get it done, and get it invoiced.